Oh, good morning, everyone. All right, and if you're at home and you said good morning, thanks, appreciate that. Uh, if you are a first-time guest, uh, my name is Aaron, uh, teaching pastor here for Riverwood, and uh, yes, this is a Vision Sunday. Uh, and if you are a first-time guest uh, or, or even new to the Riverwood family, this is actually a really, really good Sunday for you to be here because you're going to hear kind of what God did in this past year and, and kind of also where we feel we're, we're going. Um, but also today, you get to learn where our name comes from, and uh, our name actually the name began with a CD. Uh, anyone remember CDs? I'm not talking certificate of deposit. I'm talking about like those little metal discs that were l- engraved by lasers. I mean, like how cool is that? It was so much better than my cassette tape. You know, I, I'd pop the cassette tape in and, you know, you want to hear the next song. So you'd hit fast forward, but then you'd have to stop to see where you're at in the song. And then you'd fast forward and then stop. And, and no, I'm not there. And fast forward and oh, too far. Now I have to go back. No, CDs. All you had to do was push the button and there it was. It was, it was amazing, absolutely incredible. But anyway, I got a CD for my birthday, uh, and it was by a worship artist I'd never heard of. Her name was Jamie Smith, and the CD was called Wash Over Me. And one of the things that I really loved about CDs was those little paper inserts, all right? I, I listened to Spotify pretty much all day long, but I missed the paper insert because I suffer lyric alitosis, where I think I know what the lyrics are, but I can't ever really remember them. So I need the little paper insert to like, help me remember what the lyrics are to a song. And so I pull out the, the lyrics. I wanted to, to read along, and in the inside cover was a passage out of Ezekiel 47. If you brought a Bible, I invite you to open up to Ezekiel 47. As I was opening up my uh, the CD insert and I was reading that little passage, you have to understand I had just read from the book of Ezekiel, like a week before, two weeks before, and I did not remember this story. And so for a moment, I thought either like it was wrong, like maybe they were using some like cultic Bible or something, you know, like what is this? I just read this. Why don't I remember? So I reached over and I grabbed my trusty Bible. I opened it up to Ezekiel 47 and I read this. Then he, by the way, the he here is an angel who has been giving a tour of a temple in a vision to the prophet Ezekiel. It's been going on for several chapters now. And and by chapter 47, the tour is coming to an end. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. And then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Well, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits. A thousand cubits would be roughly 1,500 feet. He measures out a thousand cubits and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. And again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through. For the water had risen, it was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Well, then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. 
for this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea. From Engedi to Enaglum, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the outer banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will be bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. This passage changed my life. It has deeply influenced uh, my philosophy of ministry, so therefore it has deeply influenced how I have helped start Riverwood Church. I, it, it's influenced so much that it, it actually is the, in, uh, the, the impetus, the inspiration for our name. I hope as you read through it, you could see the river and the, the wood, the, the trees. But I, I want to take a moment to explain a few things for you uh, from, from the passage. Now, if you're part of the Riverwood family, some of this you've heard before, but I, I just ask you to stick with me. But if, you, if you're new to Riverwood, I, I want you to really pay close attention because it's going to help you understand the heart of who we are, and, and it's going to help set up to understand where we feel we are going. The first thing I want to point out is that this river, I believe, is a metaphor for Jesus. I, I believe that it points to Christ, a number of reasons. The, the first reason is that we see this river come from the temple. The, the temple for the Jewish people was the place of worship. Well, Jesus, the Son of God, came from heaven, the ultimate place of worship. And then at the end of verse 1, we see this river go right by the altar. The altar was the place of sacrifice for the sins of the people. Well, Jesus went on earth, went through the cross, the ultimate place of sacrifice for the sins of humanity. Then we notice this river go out the east side. In chapter 41, God makes an interest into uh, an in, uh, uh, entrance, is what I'm trying to say, not interest, an entrance into the vision in chapter 41. And then in chapter 42, God says, because I've used the east gate to come in, no one else is allowed to use it. The east gate is only for God. And yet this river goes out through the east side. That's why you noticed Ezekiel had to go out through the north gate, go around because the east gate was closed. And yet this river, because it's divine, goes out the east side. And then probably most telling of all is that this river flows down to the Arabah, is how the ESV puts it. This is the Dead Sea. If you know anything about the Dead Sea, and we're going to talk about the Dead Sea just a, a little bit uh, later, but the Dead Sea is so full of minerals and, and salt that, that nothing can live in it. You've, maybe you've seen the pictures of people who visited the Dead Sea and they get in the waters and they just float. You know, there, there's so much in there. Suddenly this river is going to crash into the Dead Sea and it's going to become fresh. It's going to become alive. In fact, it says that the, the, uh, it will be teeming with fish. That, that wherever the river uh, flows, there will be swarms of animals. So many fish, it'll be just like the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. And, and fishermen will be putting out their nets to dry. Like, it, you just don't get fish out of the Dead Sea. And yet suddenly, there's going to be so many fish. Well, Jesus himself said in John 10.10, 10, he came to give life and to give it abundantly. That is why I believe that this river points to Jesus. And, and that is why we are River Wood. We are a Jesus-centered church. But then I want you to notice that Ezekiel walks through that river four times. Uh, the first time he steps in, it's up to his ankles. 
At Riverwood, we think that if, if this river is what brings life, that anyone who steps into the river, they find life in Christ. And so that's why we talk about inviting the spiritually disconnected to find Jesus. And so we want to see them step into the river and find life in Christ. But notice, the river keeps uh, flowing. There's a current. It's beckoning you to go deeper. And so a thousand cubits later, Ezekiel walks through again, and now he's up to his knees. If you've ever been in a river, you, you can walk around, but you're starting to feel more of the, the pull of the river. Well, if you put your faith in Jesus and you begin some disciplines like reading the Bible, spending time praying, getting into a, a growth group where other people are influencing you, you start feeling the current of the Holy Spirit pulling you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Then you notice a thousand cubits later, Ezekiel walks through and it's waist deep. Now the river is really pulling on him. Now you just can't run around and kind of do whatever you want. You really start feeling it. This is you giving more of your time, more of your energy, more of everything to the sake of the gospel. This is when you start serving. This is when you really start giving uh, financially uh, uh, of your influence, your skills, your time. You just start giving of all. But then you notice the very last level. Suddenly, Ezekiel couldn't touch the bottom. Uh, Years and years ago, uh, by the way, I got that CD probably about 18 years ago. So 18, 17 years ago, I put together a a paper based on this uh, passage, and I shared it with a really good friend of mine, and and he's sitting there in my living room, and he's reading through it, and he gets to this section about being in over your head, and all of a sudden he goes, huh. And I'm thinking to myself, oh no, did I interpret something wrong? Like, am I off? Like, why did he go, huh? And suddenly he pauses and says, you realize that if you're in a river and you can't touch the bottom, the river's in control. That's what God wants for each and every one of you. That you would be in his river, in his gospel, and you'd pick up your feet, and the river would just take you. That's what we see in Matthew 28, what we just talked about in those 21 days of prayer. That we are to go into all the world. And that as we go to the nations, as we go to the grocery store, as we go to our neighborhood, as we go on a walk, as we go to work, we would take the gospel with us. That we'd pick up our feet, and the river take us where God wants us to go. There's a third thing I want to point out, and that is that the trees in this passage, I believe, point to uh, uh, Jesus' followers. You see, the, these trees that are, that we, they're mentioned in verse 7, but we get a better description in verse 12. We see that their nourishment comes from the river itself. I believe that anyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus, that their spiritual growth is going to come from the gospel. It's going to come from continuing to peer into Jesus. I've used this Tim Keller quote multiple times, but uh, the the gospel is is not the ABC of the Christian faith. It's the A to Z of the Christian faith. So so a a Christian, the tree along the the river, isn't going to be getting its nourishment from something else. It's getting it from the river. And and we notice that this tree is producing fruit, but that fruit is not for the tree itself. The fruit is for others. And that's what I want to point out is that this tree, it does very similar things that the river does. Think think about it. The river came to give life. The river crashes into the Dead Sea and heals the waters. Well, these trees, their leaves are for healing. Their fruit is for food, which helps to sustain life. The trees, they can't crash into into a, 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 a Dead Sea and cause it fish to be there. But it can't help feed the fish. It can't help feed the animals. I I think if we're going to live like Jesus lived, we have to do similar things as him. We we have to be giving to others. Jesus said he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Well, we see these trees doing something similar. They're not there to serve themselves. They get their nourishment from the river. 
Instead, their fruit, their leaves are for others. As a pastor, I have uh, discovered something about myself. In, in my personality, I, I tend to just be go with the flow, and, and, and I don't spend a lot of time worrying about the past. I don't spend a lot of time looking at the future. I just tend to kind of be in the present. But as a pastor, I've noticed my mind is always on the future. Like, regularly, I am two to three months ahead. Uh, you know, each November on a, my spiritual retreat, I usually plan the whole entire next year in my, my sermon prep. Uh, I, I mean, the, the, my preaching calendar. Uh, I, I already, we've been given some thought to Easter. That's not until April 4th. I mean, I just, I'm regularly thinking ahead. Now, I think that could be a, a good thing, a strength. It helps us to plan, but I think it can also be a bad thing. I, I, I think the bad thing about this tendency of mine is I don't stop and really celebrate like after Riverwood launched Easter Sunday 2014, several people wanted to celebrate with us. And I found myself thinking, we've got next Sunday. Or, or even when we had our grand opening here. I mean, the, the place was full. We had a ton of people joining us online. It was a big deal. And yet, all I could think about was, there's still so much work to do on this building. The, the, we, we've got, you know, these things going on. We've got next Sunday. But also probably the biggest thing on my heart was, I don't want us to be a church that just settles into this building, shows up on Sundays, and calls it good that we continue to be a church on mission. And so I celebrated, but I'll be honest, part of me didn't celebrate. Part of me was worried. I'm not gonna make that mistake today. Today, we have to celebrate because 2020 was a hard year. And yet God did some amazing things in us and through us. And so because of the things he took us through, we are a stronger church, a more mature church. And when you see God work like that, you need to stop and celebrate. And so I don't want to make the same mistake today and just charge ahead. Like, here's our vision. Here's where we're going. We're going to get to that today. But we have to stop and say, okay, what took place in 2020? And as we look at these things, I hope it will help lead you to want to go, wow. Look what God did. And we will be able, I mean, we will not be able to stop ourselves from worshiping him and celebrating him. So let me just take you through some of the things that we <laughs> endured in 2020. A, a, one year ago, January, we were having conversations on whether or not to sign a three-year lease on this building right here. Uh, we we uh, knew this building had come up for sale. Uh, we looked at it last September. And you've got to realize that we had looked at, uh, I don't know, 14, 15 different places around Waverly. Not to necessarily buy, but, you know, just for different rentals or whatever. This was the best we had seen by far. And their asking price was actually very fair. However, as we looked at our financial situation, who we were as a church, we are not a big church. We are not a wealthy church. And so we just looked at it and realized, if we try to buy this and then have to renovate it, because it was in kind of rough shape, we thought it would put too much financial burden on our church. So our, our elder team actually said, you know what? No. Well, we knew someone else bought it, but they didn't really have good plans for it. And they actually approached us in December of 2019. What do you guys think about leasing from us? Well, we we're like, oh, I don't know. So elders kind of like, well, what if we ask for this and this and this and this? So we asked for it and they're like, yeah, we can do that. So in January, we brought this before our Riverwood Partners. Anytime you bring us a big decision like this and, and you're saying, hey, we think we should do this, but there's going to be a huge financial jump. Oftentimes you get pushback. 
you get some people going, ah, I don't know, I don't like this, I don't think we should do this, I kind of like that we're in rental facilities, you know, it helps keep our mission a little more pure. And so when churches make a, a move like that, you often end up with some people who get upset and they leave. Our Riverwood partners voted unanimously to make this step of faith. Absolutely unheard of. But because we voted unanimously, that meant we needed to have a little more capital. We, we by God's grace, had saved $80,000, but we just knew it was not wise for us to use all of that at once. So we, we put together a little capital campaign. I know this is gonna come as a shock and a surprise to many of you, but when pastors start asking for money, so people really get upset. People often leave during these capital campaigns. And yet, we spent the month of February saying, hey, help us out. And so we, we set this little goal of $35,000, thought if we could get that, and then we'd use half of that $80,000, $40,000, we think we can do the whole entire thing for $75,000. Won't be fancy, it'll just be simple, but it, it'll, this will work. And that way we still have some money. Because of the big jump in the, the monthly rent, this would help to cover that time until maybe our church can bring its giving to that place and we cover it. So this seemed like the wise financial thing to do. So this is what we were asking. You guys blew it out of the water. We, we went way past the 35000 We went to 42000 And then a pandemic hit. One of the things we did not expect was that a pandemic causes construction prices to go up. Like, a lot. And so suddenly, the 75000 we thought we could do this in, suddenly that wasn't enough. And many of you pitched in additional funds and I sent only one email to our former outside supporters, the people who helped us get Riverwood started financially. I sent one email, and I, I don't know, what, eight, ten, a dozen people gave to Riverwood so that we could have this building. In 2020, we raised $58,000. So we haven't had to take out a loan for this remodel. And we're sitting in decent financial shape right now. This is an absolute miracle. God needs thanked and praised for this. But when that pandemic hit, and, and, and states around the U.S. were trying to figure out what do we do, a lot of states said, churches, we, we need no gatherings. They say, shut down all gatherings. And so we had to go online. We'd never done online before. Now, I, I'll be honest. There was a small part of that time that was actually fun. Because I really enjoyed getting to work with Bridget and Jake closely like that. It was a lot of fun to get to work with Caden, an eighth grader who was videoing these each Friday night. And his dad, Corey, would come in. And, and Corey's just awesome. And so just hanging out with him. And then our sound was awful. So Randy starts coming in and helping to improve it. I got to hang out with these guys every Friday night. That part was fun. And yet, I would not go back. I hated preaching to a camera. Like, this, this is fine. Because I have you guys here. So to talk to the camera, it's not weird. But when this is all you do, this is the only group you have to talk to, and there's like five other people right there, just a little weird. Like, I used to go into Drosty Hall and stare at the wall to practice because I didn't know how to do this. It wasn't fun. I missed you guys. Well, then, thankfully, Governor Reynolds, oh, before, before I get to that, I, I, I started finding out from other churches, you know, as a, as a pastor connected with other churches and finding out what was happening, and, and I was learning about a lot of small churches like us who were seeing a lot of people leave. Uh, because they either didn't have any sort of online presence, or, and so they were scrambling like us to try to figure something out, or what happened is their online presence really wasn't all that great, and the pastors started getting emails from people saying, hey, I, uh, I checked out this large church online. I really like their preaching. Their music's really good. I'm going to start attending there, and so when you guys resume in person, we won't be back. We never got an email like that. 
No one said, you know what, we're out. Instead, you guys jumped in the chat. You guys were caring for each other, doing what we could to continue to maintain our unity through that time. Then, as I started to say, Governor Reynolds uh, decided to lift some of these things, so churches were allowed to, to meet back in person, and so our elders made the decision, all right, we're going we're gonna to meet. The, the bad thing for me, though, was that when we said we were going to meet, I was going to be on sabbatical. Now, don't get me, get, don't get me wrong, the, the sabbatical was fantastic. It was very, very refreshing. There, there were points where I thought we were going to have to delay it. We had decided all the way back in November of 2019 to, to give me a sabbatical in, in June and July. And then in December is when we're approached about a building. And then in March is when a pandemic hits. And yet both times the elders said, no, Aaron, you need to do this. Take the sabbatical. We've got this. And they did. They carried us through so well. Our Sunday team did such an amazing job of, of just thinking through all the issues of how can we make Sunday mornings at Drosty Hall as safe as possible so that people aren't coming in freaked out. Am I going to get COVID? And instead their focus can be put on Jesus. They did an amazing job leading in my absence. But yet I know of churches that when a pastor takes a sabbatical, some people will leave. Whether it's because they don't think a pastor should have a sabbatical, like he should get three weeks vacation like the rest of us. Or, or if they, they look at it and like, well, we really liked him, but if he's not going to be there, we're going to check out these other churches during the time. And then they find one that they kind of like better and they end up going there. We, we didn't experience anything like that at Riverwood. Then I get back from my sabbatical and we're right in the midst of the, the final stuff on this building. A lot of painting, a lot of cleaning, a lot, a lot of stuff to finish up. It took, took work. I, I actually know of one uh, church in Northeast Iowa that was in a, years ago was in a similar situation as us. And they, they actually were in temporary rental facilities, found a spot. Unlike us, they didn't just sign a lease. They actually uh, bought the building. But then they renovated it to get it ready for themselves. And there was one particular family that put a ton of time into it. They just loved construction type stuff. So they're in there helping out, doing all sorts of things. But then within just a few weeks of the church moving into the new facility, that, that family left. And pastor followed up to find out why. And they said, well, it just doesn't feel like our church anymore. They had gotten so tied to the previous location that when they had something new that was their own, it just didn't feel like theirs. Now, you might look at it and go, Aaron, we went from Drosty Hall to here? Like, no one's going to be missing Drosty Hall. And yet, things like that happen. And it didn't happen for us. And then we got in here. And we just continue to say, guys, here's the mission. And you guys have been on board. I'm so thankful for you guys. Honestly, I am really, really honored to be part of your church family. And I am excited about what is ahead. But before we can go ahead, we have to stop and celebrate. We went through so much in 2020. You just heard a lot of it. There are a number of things in there that could have broken us. And yet, I don't think they broke us. They actually made us stronger. L listen to James chapter 1. God says this through uh, James, the brother of Jesus. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You guys, we faced so many trials in 2020. And we are not done with the trials. I realize that. The pandemic is still going on. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's going to happen financially. But I do know this. We went through a lot, and you guys persevered through it. 
and we are more perfect and more complete. We're not completely there yet. First of all, I'm still your pastor, so that right there keeps us from ever being perfect. But we're closer to it. We're closer to being like Jesus. I feel like we have matured. This was a significant year. And so because God worked like that, we have to stop and praise him. So would you stand to your feet? Let's sing to God. Heavenly Father, I just say thank you for what you did in 2020. God, you are to be praised, Lord. There are so many people that gave so much of their time, so much of their energy, so much of their, their finances to make this happen. But ultimately, God, it was you because none of us could have done this in our own strength and power and yet you made all of this happen. God, thank you for the way you held us together. Thank you for the way that, that you were at work. And that, God, it just makes me excited for what is ahead. So God, may you be praised for what you did. May we just stop and praise the great I am.